Hey friends, Ashton here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Merry Christmas to you and yours. It's been a while since our last recording, uh, but we are joined uh, with what I think will be a new friend today, Scott Erickson. A couple nights ago, I was at my sister-in-law's house. She handed me a book and said, I think you ought to thumb through this. Um, This is my Advent book, and while the family was playing games, I started digging into this piece of work, uh, and I thought, man, um, Scott is a guy I'd love to get to know. He's he's uh, everything that he's about and the way he thinks and sees the world, it's evident, uh, is in alignment with who we are here at Good, True, and Beautiful. Morgan Harper Nichols, one of our village elders, uh, she did the foreword for this book. And so he's got a new book out called, called Honest Advent, and I uh, reached out to him and invited him on. And he said yes. So with that being said, from Austin, Texas, Scott Erickson's joining us. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Glad to be with you. Super stoked to have especially, you on, man. Especially if especially if Morgan's a village elder. She, That's amazing. Yeah, she is a village elder for sure. Um, uh, I, I hope she accepts uh, that title I bestowed upon her. Um, so I, before we get into this latest piece of work that you've put out into the world, Honest Advent, where do you begin when you kind of introduce, you know, who you are, your work, and your story in the world? Well, I I tell people I'm a professional artist, and with glazed look in their eyes, they're like, oh, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) They don't really, people don't really know. Really, the question is people go, I don't know how you make money doing that, which is fun. (laughs) Uh, I, so I think of my work in kind of three areas, which is I'm a painter illustrator, um, and I sell work and, uh, do things that way. And then I'm a a writer, author, and I have a series of book projects I'm working on. And then I'm a performer, a speaker and a, and a, uh, like a performance artist and tour and speak at different events and stuff. And so those those kind of things take up a lot of my time. Um, and that's, I, I, I like to say I do a lot of little things to make a little something. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, right on. Um, beautiful. So I take it, uh, you and I were talking before the call, you've recently moved to Austin. You said all of COVID you've lived there. Mm -hmm. Um, typically you're out on the road doing shows, doing engagements. What's that look like for you? Yeah, typically, Actually, this year I was going to, I started enforcing a maximum two trip a month thing, uh, because I was doing more than that the year before this, and it was too much, and so wanted to get more specific, and and, uh, I mean, I've got three kids and a wife, and and really felt like... (laughs) Uh, where I used to live in Portland, when I would get home, people would be like, oh, I didn't even know you were around. <laughs> and just, I was yeah. like, oh, all my friendships just assume I'm gone all the time. And I really wanted to to uh, be more around with people. But yeah, we've moved to Austin. And it's been, uh, we we when we started putting things into movement, uh, it was uh, like March, you know, or like or late February, early March, and things weren't, so bad but then like right when we were like packing up our house and stuff it was like that's when like states were shutting down and cities were shutting down so we moved to this city when it was completely shut down and i only know austin as a visitor and (laughs) uh during a global pandemic so i don't even really know what the city's like um yeah yeah right on yep 
Beautiful. Uh, well, we're glad to have you in Texas. Welcome. Um, Thank you. So, um, well, let's chat through Honest Advent, um, awakening the wonder of God with us then, here, and now. Um, I, it seems as though, you know, as you kind of introduce your story, uh, this book kind of brings a lot of those practices into play, not only uh, your words as, an, as a writer and author, uh, but the, um, you know, the kind of symbolic uh, artistic side. You're, you've got uh, that woven throughout this piece as well. It's a beautiful read. Um, talk to me about, like, why Honest Advent? Why this book? Why now? What what got you curious about digging into this season uh, in a different way? Um, I well, it the inception of this began about four years ago when we were in a similar situation than we are now. It was right after a long and exhausting, divisive election. Uh, there was. Syrian civil war. We're seeing images of all this devastation and displacement. We had multiple mass shootings, Zika, um, Flint water crisis, just a lot of, lot of traumatic uh, events. And I, I just remember walking into like a, I think it was a target and uh, you know, everything had al- already been uh, decorated in Christmas. It's like the, the brand of Christmas had, had descended upon Western uh, civilization. And I just remember looking at all and just, and, and being a big fan of Christmas, having this deep feeling of like, this just feels really irrelevant to the world I'm finding myself in. Hmm. And not just like the overly done Santa story, because I'm fine with the Santa story. uh, But even just like the Christian imagery that's in my tradition. It just felt really safe and sanitized. It stopped feeling like it was even a story about people, like about real human beings. And I, uh, my deepest longing was like, I want, you know, is this, is this event, is this incarnation, does it matter to our lives? And is it still happening? Like, is there a living Christ that still is kind of, you know, metaphorically incarnating into our world? presently into our lives. Um, Cause I think our deepest question isn't uh, is God real or not? I actually think our deepest question is, is God real in this world, in our lives, in, in all of this that's going on. And, and so that became this, like this own, that was like my personal invitation to mm. go, what does it mean? Like, where, where do I find Jesus in our midst? And um, at the time we were pregnant with our third, and, you know, I've witnessed three pregnancies and births close up, and I know that pregnancy is, it's wonderful and sacred and really beautiful, but it's painful and risky, and there's a lot of bodily fluids involved in it. And I was like, it's nothing, there's nothing sanitized about pregnancy. It's actually really human, and it's vulnerable. And and what really clicked into me, clicked, was that uh, every human being have come into the world through human vulnerability and the way that God incarnated into the world was through the exact same way, which was human vulnerability. So where we can still experience God incarnating in our world now is through that same Avenue, which is human vulnerability. And so it began to bring that filter to this, you know, real quote unquote, really well-known story that everybody feels tired of and kind of lost the wonder of and and tried to 
see it from a totally different perspective. Um, and part of the way that I do things like that as, an, as a visual artist is that I knew I needed to completely sidestep the brand of Christmas. Now, people might, if they're listening, they might, some people might agree or you might be like, why, why do you say brand of Christmas? Because Christmas is, what we know to be Christmas is just purely a brand that's been invented. It's mostly been invented by uh, Northern, North American and Northern European marketing companies, but it's also invented by this look and feel. Um, <clears throat> half the world celebrates Christmas in the dead of summer wearing shorts and drinking Mai Tais. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like Australia, Christmas is in the summer. But I was talking to a guy from New Zealand and he was like, yeah, but you know how we celebrate Christmas? We put a fir tree in the middle of our house and we hang up fake icicles, even though it's 95 degrees outside <laughs> and we're in our swimsuit because it's like, that's how powerful the brand is. Yeah, and so yeah. there's this whole, there's this whole visual <clears throat> associated with, with this idea and I just knew I needed to create imagery that looked nothing like that in order to help see the story completely different. Uh, I needed to just create a new visual vocabulary for the whole thing. Beautiful. And that's, and that was, that was my work as a visual artist. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. You, you use the words in the intro, um, of like familiar familiarity and wonder. And I, and you wrote this that I just loved. It's easy to, to trade nostalgia for essence, hold my hand on that. I, I I love the concept of really digging into the essence of what we mean when we say Advent. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think it might help to take a step back and just uh, like let's just discuss like religion and spirituality. Yes, yeah. We we don't need to do anything like, like every, let's talk about modern Protestant church services in America, all of that's invented, which is fine. It's, but there's no, there's no, there's no holy manuscript sent from heaven to go, this is how you do it. It's all made up. We just make it all up as we're going, but we're built upon centuries and centuries of tradition. And we know that just as human beings, when we get together and share our stories that does something to us when we sing songs together that does something to us when we pool our resources and help one another out that does something to us and so every religion kind of has is made up of the same fabric of activities that do something to us so but what happens is uh always those uh, so we talk about those um mechanics help us get to the essence the mechanics of singing the mechanics of preaching the mechanics but after a while, we, we get so focused on the mechanics that we, we, we stop asking, hey, is this helping us get to the essence? Because what happens over time is that you need to adjust or contextualize your mechanics again just to, just to, get, to help uh, get back to the essence of what you're trying to get to, I guess, like the presence of it. And so I think with Christmas, there just has become this massive nostalgic tradition over and over and over again. And uh, those mechanics, although very delightful and really good at selling things in stores, uh, I think for a lot of people have kind of lost their wonder and have lost any newness in it. And they become so familiar that I can't really see the liveliness of the story anymore. So uh, I want, that's why like you have the book. That's why the book looks, there's nothing in it that looks like Christmas. There's no, the cover, no red or green. Like, 
There's no red or green. There's no stars. There's no swirls. It's just like Helvetica new bold type <laughs> and just two colors, black and gold. And it's just, it's like trying to sidestep this whole thing. Cause then it makes you go, well, this doesn't look like Christmas. You know, this yeah. is, this is about Advent. This is about Christmas. That doesn't, I don't see this related to that. And, and then that helps you have like eyes to see. Um, yeah. So that's, that was, that's what that, that, that kind of like familiarity can kill our wonder. Familiarity is a very helpful tool. Um, but familiarity can become unhelpful when it, when it stops allowing us to see um, the real uh, beautiful and wonderful and unique and, uh, and universal aspects of this story. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, like I was on this one interview and this host was asking me about, uh, he was like, do you, have you gotten any pushback from kind of playing these stories? And I'm like, no, because I'm not like, I'm not trying. I don't really play with the, actual scriptural text i just am like my whole focus about this is not uh, what really happened back then my real focus of this book is like how is this still happening today because if it's because i think the only reason we tell old stories especially from like the bible or our sacred text the only reason we tell them is because they're still happening today mm. if those stories aren't happening today there's no reason to tell them it's by telling those stories that it illuminates that story going on in our own midst. And that's why these stories, that's why any of the stories that are in the Bible are in the Bible is because those stories, it's like a, a great way to read the Bible. Isn't like, why does it, it uh, like, what is this story? It's it, to ask, why did they write this story down? Why this one out of all the stories? I mean, even at the end of John, John's like, we could have told there could have been volumes of stories about Jesus, but they chose a certain amount of stories to write about Jesus because they're like, these are the ones that deeply resonate in all humans at all time. Yeah. That's true. It's true everywhere. And it's always been true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I, and, and I got that and it, to this concept of like religion and spirituality. I, I think what I'm hearing you say is religion is the finger pointing at the moon. Right. Um, and sometimes we can argue over how the finger points, um, but spirituality, I think you wrote, is like making the unseen seen. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all, I mean, I hope if you haven't <laughs> become aware of this about yourself, those who are listening, then you're welcome. But like, like what are you? Are you a, a, a mass of physical and biological body parts? Or what? there's this deeper part of you that's unseen, we call it our soul or our spirit. Um, it's the depth of our being. And that's why we, when we say something soulful, it's like, it's like talking about the deep, the deep, deep deepness of, of life. Um, so we are this amalgamation of this like spirit and body. And so uh, how do we care for that spirit? How do we form that spirit? What are the activities that do that? And the truth is, is that, the spirit and the body work together. You can't, and there's been yeah. a, a problem in religion, which like separated yeah. bodies, bad, tried to separate it for a long time. It's just like, all that matters is our soul. Uh, a body doesn't matter anymore. And that was probably more for about politics than anything, but like uh, what actually forms our spirit is how we use our bodies and what we do with our bodies. Like when we, you know, this is why Jesus says like, 
you gave me water when I was thirsty. You fed me when I was hungry. And people are like, when did we never saw you hungry or thirsty? He's like, no, when you gave food to those who were hungry, you were doing it to me. There's this activity of actually doing this very physical thing mm. that then opens this like doorway, this portal to the spiritual reality. And it nourishes that. So, um, yeah. And spirituality, I would say is like, how do we nourish our soul? How do we care for our soul? And it's embedded and enmeshed with physical activities like spiritual practices, like silence, solitude, confession, uh, hospitality, service, these kinds of things. Beautiful. So let's, <clears throat> I want to hear just kind of how, um, kind of how you structured this book. It, it's 25 meditations. Of course, it's meant for, you know, 25 days of Advent. Um, how did, how, like, how did each of these kind of come to you? And I know that's, that's not the best question, but you've got like beautiful words, unease, uh, given, alpha, omega, assumptions, seen, mm -hmm. sacred. Um, kind of where, what was the journey you were wanting to take us on uh, through uh, each of these days? Yeah. Um, I, uh, well, I, the first year I did any of these illustrations, I did only like four. And then the next, year so this has been like four years in the making right on, gotcha. the next year i think i did like five or six the next year i did like five or six more so by last year i had about 20 images and meditations and because we celebrate on december 25th i was like well if you do five more that's 25 <laughs> that's five that's like and i and, I, and because I, i'm a writer i'm like oh and that's a book so that's that was kind of the like thinking of it how does this pragmatically just work with the rhythms already set up in our society. Um, and I had been, but you know, these last four years I had been every advent going, okay, what is another aspect of this story? So at first it started with kind of female biology and just kind of birth and pregnancy. I think then the next year it got into some, some of that, but also into these like old Testament prophecies like i grew up in a church that my parents would sing in the choir and sing handel's messiah every christmas and so i knew this kind of like and his name shall be called wonderful counselor everlasting father prince of peace mighty god so i was like oh what is what are those things mean because hmm. i'm always that's i mean that's a lot of my work is just we are a culture of words and uh my belief is that our our words are embedded in imi in images and often we just throw around w words all the time and we actually have no idea what those words <laughs> look like. No. We don't know what the images associated with those words. And so that's what I'm playing with. I'm playing, I'm trying to provide an image to a word you're so familiar with, but then give you an image. You're like, I didn't see it that way, but then, you know, and that's what catches you off guard. So after, so just kind of, I just was doing this over the last number of years as my own meditation. And then, and then as an author, you kind of culminate it and find the common things there. So really, the, the, the book is to go, how is this happening today? What are the aspects of this story that are applying to human these avenues of human vulnerability? And then I think there are some, there are a few where I'm like, let's discuss the shepherd. Let's discuss the magi. Let's talk about Joseph. Let's talk about the genealogy. You know, these like, because there's only really... Uh, maybe six chapters in the whole Bible, maybe, that talk about the birth. Hmm. That's it. There's not very much. 
I don't even know if there's six chapters. It's, 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 you know, two chapters in Luke or just one, one in Matthew, you know, a little bit in Mark and John and then Isaiah. There's not much. It's, it's very little. Mm -hmm. And yet we have this whole season developed around this little thing. And so, uh, that was trying to take all those aspects and then go, how do we, how do we look at, how can we look at this and discuss this and, and find out how, uh, it's still happening in our midst. Yeah. Beautiful. So that, that was kind of, that's the, that's kind of the flow of the book. It's just every day, like a, a different aspect of for 25 days, seeing an, a different aspect Beautiful. of the story. I, I think one of the, uh, aspects of Advent that I'm, I'm holding on to this season is the idea of incarnation. Um, the idea that like the enfleshment of the divine that, you know, as it's been said, moved into the neighborhood. Um, Mm -hmm. you wrote here about incarnation. Incarnation is the process of becoming seen. To be seen is to allow yourself to be known. To be known is to risk being loved or not. What does what does incarnation tell us about the divine? What is this affirmation? Because uh, I think that's what incarnation is. It's this great affirmation of this place is is good. This place is uh, meaningful. Hold my hand on this because I think it's a super important aspect of the season of Advent. Yeah, well, I think... Uh... You know, this year, what I've been thinking about, because this this is not written in the book, but um, I think it's really fascinating that this invisible deity, this unfathomable mystery, we give a three-letter title to called God, um, becomes seen and becomes and and starts being seen by being a newborn baby, which is to say that the divine starts the conversation with humanity saying, I'm coming in your midst. And right from the beginning, I'm going to need you to take care of me for a really long time. I'm going to be helpless. I'm not going to be able to do anything myself. In fact, I'll die unless you take care of me. And that's how I'm going to start the conversation. That's how I'm going to start my incarnation. Well, what does it say about a God? that's willing to do that, that wants to do that. I think it says a number of things that one God comes in peace because if, you know, if all the uh, fire and brimstone teachers you heard in your life are right, then God's coming and being like, I'm coming to judge you and judge you and judge you and judge you and judge you. And if, if you were going to do that, if you came to alienate people, mm-hmm. uh, but you came, you would come in strength. Because to be a jerk like that, uh, people probably wouldn't like you. But if you come helpless and go, I can't wait to judge you. I can't wait to throw you into fire because you're such a dirty sinner. Like people would be like, this baby sucks. Let's get rid of this baby. You know. <laughs> so what we know is that God comes in peace. God co- doesn't come to alienate. God comes to participate. It says that God values human life. God values human flourishing. God doesn't just god does if god just needed to tell us a bunch of things he could have sent a nice pamphlet you know that maybe got uh that was printed out at fedex office but god comes and enmeshes his life into human life he has brothers and sisters he has a mom he's like 
actually the greatest parts about human life are relationships, friendships, being here. Um, he, uh, he says that the stages of life are important. Like you don't just like, oh, I just came fully formed, 33, ready to go. No, it just went through all the stages of development, mm. which is an important process. That's good. Yeah, so there's so many things that God, that the incarnation is speaking to uh, what we go through. You know, like, because I think there's moments when we're like, man, I'm so dumb. I can't believe I haven't gotten that yet, <laughs> which is a humbling moment, a vulnerable moment. But it's like, but it also speaks to, yeah, because we're always in process. There's a process of growing, a process of transformation. No, none of us get to bypass that quickly. It's something you go through just like Jesus did. Um, you know, we, this, this, is what, this is what gets me fascinated about the story of Jesus is that I see that he's involved in human life. I, uh, I think, yeah, and that's maybe a longer conversation about there. I think Western Christianity has been very uncomfortable to talk about the humanity of Jesus because it feels it's, I think it's been threatened by, Oh, people who just want to say Jesus is a good teacher and just a not good human and stuff like that. So they're trying to protect their brand and the whole thing. But there has become this like, uh, Jesus isn't human at all. He's actually just this like non-emotional robot going around just saying things and, you know, and healing stuff and doing miracles and is never phased by being a human. But that's actually not true to the story. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian because of the resurrection and because I've had, in, I've had mystical and uh, moving experiences with the presence of Christ, but I'm a Christian too, because of the shortest verse in the Bible, which is Jesus wept. Because if, uh, if there was a story about a God incarnating into human life that didn't involve him going to his friend's funeral and crying like I have, and maybe you have too, then I wouldn't believe it because I would know that it's not a true story because it would just mm. tell me that God insulated himself from some of the lamest things about being a human being. And he never really knew what it was like to be human. And yet right there in the story is, is that, is that experience. So yeah. Jesus was involved was a human was involved with all the things that, um, that come with being a human. Yeah. Well said. And, and to kind of riff off that, you also wrote another place I underlined. It's comforting to be able to hold on to something tangible versus the unseen wild goose of the holy mystery. Beautiful sentence, by yeah. the way. Um, the This is the comfort that, that, that we can now find out and see exactly uh, what the divine is like. If we have seen him, we have seen the Father. Um, to talk to me about... Um, the comfort of being able to see the divine presence in Advent, that, that, that what, the, what this story and message brings, that we have seen what God is like, that it's, not, it's no longer a question, right? It's, a, uh, it's very evident uh, as to mm, um, yeah. what the love of God is like. Yeah, what we, what we see... Um... John says, we saw God and he was full of grace and truth. We saw, like, we witnessed this, uh, this invisible deity 
this, uh, you know, this, the almighty come and move, like you said, Eugene Peterson moved into the neighborhood. We witnessed it. We saw it. And so what we know about God is what we see in Jesus. Um, at least, at least some of what we can know about God. I mean, I think God is a mystery, so he's infinitely knowable. Um, but like what we can know, at least a good starting point is Jesus. And so, uh, and I think that if anybody who's listening to this is a Christian or is a Jesus follower, I think <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what excites you the most hopefully isn't all the uh, bells and whistles of a church service, but what excites you is the, the person of Jesus. And that, and that is what has captured your heart. Um, and I, I find great comfort that like when there's lots of things that I don't completely understand about this ancient book or a selection of books put together called the Bible or certain things that I don't understand. Um, and I would say like, I'm learning to understand Jesus, but I, yeah, I see, uh, I see that the, you know, God putting his risk out there being, you know, like the front facing vision of God is found in Jesus. And so, um, I wanted to, I think often when we think of, we, we can think of Jesus as just as like powerful and victorious. And I, I think what Advent uh, invites us to is to consider that uh, there's this also this other aspect of incarnation, which is going to involve weakness and taking care of one another and reliance um, need. I have one meditation towards the end of the book that's, and it shows Jesus breastfeeding with Mary and just like Jesus being fully human needed other people. He needed people to take care of him. He needed people to feed him. He needed people to be a listening ear, to be a friend, to, uh, to dance with, to sing songs with. And like, so it's like Jesus needed people and we need Jesus. And why is it so difficult to ever think that like, that Jesus, that Jesus would need us or God would need us. Like, and I don't even answer that question. I'm just like, why does that feel uncomfortable? You know, like, and I think there's, that's the mystery to enter into uh, is like, th this book is not trying to answer mystery. Yeah. This, this book is trying to invite you into mystery yeah. that's cool. um, because that's where, that's where we're transformed yeah. is kind of sitting in that. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, those are, Beautiful. those are, that's that's what I'm trying to go for is yeah. to be transformed. Yeah, I love it. The book's not here to answer mystery. It's here to invite you in. Um yeah. so do you have like a practice that you personally adhere to in Advent? Is there any different soul posture that you take on in this season? Uh not this year. <laughs> I mean I have been spending a good part of this year on this material. And then, uh, I, my, my focus now is like, how can I, just like I'm doing an interview with you, I'm doing interviews with other people. I'm, I'm zooming in on church services and small groups and stuff. So I am constantly like holding these things yeah. and then helping lead people in them. Uh, for myself, Man, I'm I'm just trying to make make it through a really difficult season of our lives, which is a global pandemic. Uh, and so, <laughs> I I I don't care as much about like my Christmas practices as much as just like working on my prayer 
I, uh, every day, whether it's just like a 10 minute walk, I just try to, I just try to have a moment where I'm silent that I'm whispering my desires and my fears, um, that I'm being grateful for the, the wonderful things that are happening, even though like right now we're like stuck at home. Uh, and there's a, there's just a lot to do. I have three kids who are right now in school at home, a toddler who's needing care, a wife who's super busy, me super busy. So <laughs> there's just <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to adult up every day. So I <laughs> like this morning I woke up at six and, uh, made some coffee. I snuck out of the house and I went and swam some laps down at the lake and came back and then made breakfast for everybody and then started in on teaching school and posting things. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I don't, I don't have like a specific advent practice besides the book, the book I wrote and leading people in that. I think it just, it, I would say my advent practice is going, I think I'm still participating with an incarnating Jesus in my life yeah. every day. Thank That's you. what I'm trying to do. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 10 minute walk around the block, whispering your joys, fears, and gratitude. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll, that'll get you yeah. there. That'll get you where you need yeah. to go. Um, yeah. Right on, man. Well, hey, I am, uh, again, love your work. I, I love the journey that you're inviting us all into um, the infinite knowability that is mystery. Um, and uh, I can't say enough good things. So, guys, for the, those of y'all that are listening, make sure you get a copy of Honest Advent, Awakening to the Wonder of God with us then, here and now by Scott Erickson. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to invite our people to follow you and your work, where's the best place you would send them? Um, well, I'm most active on social media on Instagram, and I'm Scott the Painter, and uh, but Twitter and Facebook too. And uh, Honest Advent, you can find everything you need to know at honestadvent.com. And then also my website is scotterickssonart.com. But yeah, uh, Scott the Painter is where I'm mostly at, on the internet. Right on, man. Well, hey, super grateful for you coming on and uh, hope we can have you on again in the future. We, uh, yeah. We'd love for you to become one of our village elders. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Great. Have a great Christmas. Thanks, you too. <laughs>